0: For KOSU, I'm Michael Cross, and it's time for this week in Oklahoma politics. Along with Republican political consultant Neva Hill and civil rights attorney Ryan Kiesel, joining me over Zoom video conference, State Attorney General Gettner Drummond is dropping the lawsuit against Florida-based Class Wallet over its handling of federal COVID funds supposed to be spent on educational needs. An investigation found the money was used to buy things like video game consoles, smartwatches, and Christmas trees. Drummond says he plans to go after state actors involved in the decision. Ryan, which state actors is Drummond talking about, and should they be concerned?
1: I think that they should absolutely be concerned, and I don't think it's any secret that, uh, you know, the, the one state official that is, you know, squarely in this former jet fighter's uh, uh, crosshairs, as Patrick uh, Riley at the Lost Ogle put it, is, you know, when you're when you're in the crosshairs of a former jet pilot, you know, you need to be worried. And I think that that's Ryan Walters. I mean, he was serving as Secretary of Education at the time. Uh, He was the individual that the governor tapped to one, you know, select uh, Class Wallet through a no-bid contract, uh, and then also oversee the administration of Class Wallet. So, uh, you know, the the state superintendent Ryan Walters has been with this been with this whole thing from day one, Um, and you know the, the the dismissal. I think is, um, you know, the fact that it came this early, you know, Gittner Drummond uh, as attorney general, I keep thinking, how many, how many things can he do uh, in his short time in office? I feel like, you know, I tell my 11 year old, slow down, enjoy your food, which is advice that I I don't take myself. Uh, You can ask my dry cleaner. Uh, But that's the uh, that's kind of what we're seeing here. I mean, he's, he's just going full steam ahead. Um, I think that at at the very least, um, Secretary Walters, Superintendent Walters, Uh, And then maybe other folks in the governor's administration should be prepared to ask uh, to be answering a lot of tough questions over over the next several weeks and months.
0: Neva.
2: I think that's absolutely right. I mean, when we think back to last summer, when the federal auditors, uh, they flagged these, you know, literally uh, millions of dollars in the expenditures uh, and have questioned them and. The audit itself showed and said that the state should return about, I think it was 650,000 or so dollars. Um, and and that's going to be at the, the forefront, not only of the, of the Attorney General's uh, investigation, but also uh, lawmakers asking a lot of questions. We saw that this week when uh, Superintendent Walters was back before lawmakers talking about his budget. And one of the kind of the first uh, comments out of the box from Representative McBride was uh, to the superintendent. Have you um, had a discussion about uh, in your budget numbers? What if you have to uh, pay back this six hundred and fifty, or maybe a larger amount, uh, uh, back to back to the federal government? So um, a lot of questions swirling around this, and certainly as we have seen, kind of the the arguing back and forth. I mean, the governor. Uh, you know the governor and the and the superintendent um certainly have contended that um uh, that that they're in the right on this but um there are a lot of things that certainly uh raise a lot of questions and i think one of the things you alluded to ryan was the fact that um you know walters who at the time was the education secretary not the superintendent um well he was involved in selecting class wallet um as the state's vendor and it was a no-bid contract There was a discussion about the fact and have been reports that uh, uh, Walters uh, had declined to use uh, certain security features uh, that would have limited um, uh, what families could actually spend those grant dollars on, that money on. So there's going to be a lot of things to unpack, I think, in terms of the attorney general's investigation, in terms of where the feds still are involved in this whole discussion. And then you have the state auditor and inspector uh, who is also uh, reviewing uh, the gear spending, mm-hmm. and uh, that's part of the annual audit of all expended uh, federal funds. So this is a conversation that I think is going to go on probably uh, Throughout this legislative session and beyond, and certainly something um, as as you say, Michael. I mean, you have to you have to wonder who is in the crosshairs and who the, who the the folks are that are really on the on the firing line on this. And there may be other names that uh, uh, are brought to bear, you know, as this investigation continues to unfold.
1: Well, I think, you know, and one thing that we all know is that uh, the attorney general is not going to sit on his hands on this. Uh, He he is going to move this very, uh, I think, in a a very aggressive fashion. Uh, He's demonstrated to the people of Oklahoma right now that he's not somebody who you know wants to wait around and and see what happens. He is going to press the matter. uh, And we've seen that on on a number of issues so far, not uh, not the least of which is this one.
0: New state superintendent Ryan Walters is asking lawmakers for more money to fund education initiatives and merit-based pay. Walters made the request during a budget hearing Wednesday. Neva, how was Walters' request received?
2: Well, I think uh, I think there were it was an opportunity for lawmakers to begin to ask a lot of specific questions and uh, you know and and get into the weeds, so to speak, of 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 the particulars. And I think in in with respect to the merit pay. There was a number thrown out there, but not a lot to back it up in terms of specifics. When when being asked about that, how what would be the design, the metrics? How would that uh, how would that all look in terms of how teachers uh, uh, would would be uh, potentially um, in the mix to have have merit pay? Um, and I think the whole talk on vouchers. I mean, as we know. I mean, it, it's interesting that the that Superintendent Walters went to Atoka uh, this week, uh, a home of uh, House House Speaker uh, Charles McCall, met with uh, a dozen or so school district folks uh, in, in an open meeting, and really, it was I thought it was fascinating some of the things that came out during that discussion uh, that was after after the these budget hearings even even where Walter said that uh, he would be pushing for the, the Tulsa public schools to be broken up into smaller districts um, because of their academic results. I mean, he, he threw out some statistics saying that if you didn't have the poor performance of Tulsa public schools, that, uh, that we would be nationally in the uh, uh, top half. And if you took Tulsa and Oklahoma City uh, schools out, we'd be in the top 15. I mean, really started throwing some interesting uh, uh, figures out there. But the reaction, I think, even in that meeting was, why are you talking about bringing these problems and into the discussion with us? I mean, we're dealing with our problems in our in our respective districts. And, you know, and 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 with regard to Speaker McCall, I mean, he has certainly been someone who um, uh, advanced and supported Opportunity Scholarship, uh, the Opportunity Scholarship Fund uh, and open school transfers and some real significant education reforms. So, the idea that uh, you know that he's not for school reform, I think his record certainly uh, speaks differently to that. But he did make the point in that meeting in Atoka that um, that if you want to tackle you know these uh, issues in the the big urban school districts, then you've got to do that without harming the the rural schools. Mm-hmm. And so I think this sets up for again a more expanded conversation about. School vouchers. I mean, there are some things now that are uh, coming to light where it is very clear that there's going to be a very concentrated orchestrated effort uh, to make this a significant focus. And I think we'll probably see that um, next Monday uh, roll out with the uh, governor's state of the state address.
0: All right
1: yeah well and you know the uh superintendent walters took that you know directly into atoka and you know these smaller communities in rural oklahoma and, and as you said neva whenever he started talking about tulsa one of the superintendents there said why are you bringing their problems to us uh what does this have to do with us uh, we want you to talk to us and one of the the things that came out of that meeting is that in rural areas uh you've you've kind of had uh, school choice all along you know parents have been able to uh, move kids around to different public schools. Uh, yeah, and, you know, that's, that's been something that's existed for a very long time. That only works, however, if you have those rural schools that are able to stay open. Uh, and I think that a lot of rural lawmakers, whenever they were talking about vouchers last year, and when they start talking about it again this year, the concern is if we start taking dollars out of the classroom and moving them into a voucher program, then these rural schools that have given uh, Oklahoma parents options in rural Oklahoma for decades they go away and those options go away and the vouchers won't mean anything to those parents because the private school alternatives there just simply don't exist uh and that's that's a real concern and i think speaker mccall is absolutely right he uh the legislature created uh an even more robust uh open transfer system that allows people to move among public schools uh even during a school year uh which was which is a big change but you know how do you change uh how do you change uh, Tulsa Public Schools, which, you know, I think uh, Superintendent Walters seems fixated on without harming the rest of the state and in particular rural areas. I just don't know how you get there. Um, you know, one of the interesting things that it, coming out of that budget meeting that, uh, you know, I, I continue to uh, you know, point out because I, I think Superintendent Walters is part of his talking point is always, you know, that he's under attack from liberals that are trying to, you know, just indoctrinate our children. But a lot of the criticism and a lot of the concern that we're hearing in the legislature are coming from fellow Republicans. Uh, Representative Rhonda Baker, who's the chair of the House Education Committee, pushed back a bit on the superintendent's suggestion of investing in reading curriculum. The the you know the chair uh, uh, chairwoman Baker said, "We love reading programs. We've invested in them as a legislature. It's got a lot of bipartisan support. But we can't have these good programs if we can't keep teachers. That's the simple fact." And One of the maybe uh, inadvertent consequences of everything that Superintendent Walters has done since being sworn in is that I believe he's generating greater and greater support among lawmakers across party lines and in both chambers for across the board pay increases. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that I think is a change. You know, I I think that they're seeing this this idea of, of incentive pay without any sort of details of how it would be administered or how it would benefit particular school districts or how you would measure that, you know, Again, how do you measure Tulsa versus uh, Atoka uh, or Seminole or Wewoka? Those are those are difficult questions. that The superintendent hasn't been able to answer, and lawmakers are just like we've got to keep these teachers. And the best way that we can do that do that is an across the board raise, which I think is going to pit the legislature uh, squarely against the superintendent and probably Governor Stitt. And we'll know more about that after his State of the State address next week.
2: Well, and I think it's interesting too that uh, you know Ben Felder with the Oklahoman has. Uh, really uh, began to, uh, what I would suggest is uh, uncover or certainly have some revelations on a number of things that have been happening in the background. A lot of speculation over many months about uh, how uh, these uh, folks that are the very strong pro uh, school voucher folks, uh, both uh, the political types, the lobbying types, uh, the out of state uh, entities that have been uh, intimately involved in these conversations uh, one of the reports that he uh, uh, published this late this week is the fact that uh, Ryan Walters uh, was uh, having uh, uh, email communication with this uh, group that is, uh, um, I think, is goes by the uh, kind of the loose knit group they call themselves the Oklahoma Education Reform Coalition, and what what uh, came out in, in late October was basically. Uh, that they would uh, all gather in, in November after the election um, in in tandem with a national conference that would be taking place in Salt Lake City and, and clearly have been in the throes of developing a really orchestrated uh, public relations campaign uh, uh, anticipated to be rolled out uh, here at the beginning of this legislative session. So when uh, Superintendent Walters continues to say that uh, you know, that having a very, not only a robust conversation about uh, school choice, school vouchers, but making that preeminent in his uh, his uh, uh, kind of drive for uh, success in his first year of his term, I think this is going to be uh, the thing that really kind of brings all of this education discussion together and, and makes it a very... Uh, uh, a very complicated conversation with so many different bills, so much involving the appropriation side, so much in terms of just this uh, this this whole concept of whether or not they can style a um, campaign, so to speak, that would uh, get enough votes. I mean, they, they even went so far into some of this conversation that Felder has outlined that there had uh, there's been an orchestrated effort to meet with these new freshmen, uh, senators, uh, Republicans, uh, trying to get the, make sure that the, many of them campaigned, saying that they were for school choice, uh, making uh, kind of seeing where they are in that conversation. Um, obviously, it was the Senate uh, last year where it went off the rails and and didn't move in terms of trying to get a bill passed. So. Uh, this is going to be not only fascinating just to watch, but the, the political dynamics on all sides is going to be something that uh, I think everybody from the kind of the political observer side of the fence uh, is going to find fascinating. And I think for lawmakers, it's going to be something they're, they're going to uh, have to really come to terms with. And most of them are going to have to decide which side they're going to come down on these questions. And, and I think in some instances, that's still an open question.
0: The State Department of Education has fired one of its attorneys known for supporting transgender rights and opposing rulemaking on classroom race and gender discussions. The agency, now under Superintendent Walters, did not cite a reason for her immediate dismissal. Ryan, what do you think about the department's decision?
1: First, I want to thank Lori Murphy for her public service. Uh, You know, I have heard from attorneys uh, in the private sector and in government that have praised her work at the State Department of Education and the work that she's done on behalf of children across the state of Oklahoma. From uh, all accounts, she has been a tireless advocate who has uh, achieved real results in protecting Oklahoma's children uh, and improving their educational opportunities. Uh, so, I you know, thank you for your service, and uh, I think that, you know, we, we should be grateful as Oklahomans anytime we have somebody that has that kind of a skill set that's willing to you know, spend their skill set in the, in the public service realm. Uh, you know, from a from a legal matter, uh, we are a. There's there's a lot that's just you know completely unknown. Uh, you know, we, we don't know if uh, if there was a contract uh, that, that's at play here. You know, we don't know uh, was she warned about this before? Had the previous administration. Uh, said that she could do that and that it was never explicitly revoked by this administration. And when we say do that, she wore uh, some face mask uh, to state uh, meetings that, you know, said trans lives matter. And I think that she had one that said black lives matter. And this is just something that she's been doing, I think since the outset of the pandemic uh, to demonstrate her support for uh, trans and uh, black Oklahomans uh, and in particular students um, from a legal standpoint, you know, generally a, an employer can fire an employee if they, are using the uh, the employer's time to promote their own personal political agenda. Um, and as much as I might agree with uh, Laurie Murphy's uh, uh, political agenda here, you know, if if it were someone wearing uh, a MAGA hat, if it were an attorney wearing a Make America Great hat or a button or something like that, um, you know, I I would hope that uh, Superintendent Walters and and his administration would have the consistency there to say it's not a matter of their viewpoint; it's a matter that this is. You're, you're a state official, and you're not going to use this time to promote a political idea. Um, it's also important to point out they can't control what you do, uh, for the most part, uh, with, with some exceptions, uh, what you say uh, on your own time. Uh, and that's, that's more protected speech. You have your protected speech rights uh, are, are much less in the employment uh, setting, and, and probably even more so whenever the employer is the, the government. But, but again, um, I think that the Uh, that the firing for whatever reason, and we don't, we don't know entirely the details. uh, I think that the thing that we can conclude from this firing is that the state of Oklahoma has lost a, uh, a very valuable public servant who has a demonstrated record of uh, serving the state.
0: Neva.
2: Well, I think in the instance of, 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 of Lori Murphy, I mean, who had been an assistant general counsel, I think for eight or more years uh, at the department of ed, she certainly had been somewhat, uh, uh, at odds, it appeared, at least from uh, reports that I've heard, in terms of um, uh, of her interaction with the board, even the previous board, uh, made up of, obviously, a number of state appointees as well, but that uh, she had, during her tenure, uh, had resigned uh, her role overseeing the administrative rulemaking uh, for the board, and, and one of the issues that, that was at play was certainly uh, how the board Um, approved rules that would uh, would deal with uh, House Bill 1775. And, um, and she certainly I think had been uh, voiced her disagreement with some of uh, some of the things that took place in terms of uh, um, how they were going to how they were going to uh, move forward from the board standpoint. Um, in dealing with uh, 1775. So you had that. the letter um, uh, did not indicate any cause for firing and you're right, Ryan. I'm not the attorney, but I do know that Oklahoma is an at-will state. It was interesting that there was some uh, there were published reports that um, that superintendent Walters had exempted her position uh, from a section of Oklahoma law that otherwise would have allowed her to, File a complaint at termination. So there was clearly there was clearly a lot of movement, as with any change of administration, to put people in place that uh, are are folks that they want to work with, and that's the prerogative, whether it's the governor, the mm-hmm. superintendent of uh, public instruction, or any other elected official. So some of this is the natural changing of the guard. The general counsel uh, that had been at the Department of Ed. Um, is now um you know across the street at the attorney general's office working uh in in a, in a legal capacity there so a lot of a lot of movement we'll continue to see that i think in the in the coming weeks and months as things settle in under uh under the um uh under the second term of not only the state administration but in 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 the instance of superintendent walters beginning to continue to flesh out who is going to be his core team at the at the Department of Education.
0: The newly appointed Veterans Commission is reviewing the job performance of Veterans Affairs Director Joel Kinsel. The board is made up entirely of Stit appointees and Kinsel ran against Stit in last year's primary. The committee also hired former Attorney General John O'Connor, another Stit appointee, as its outside counsel. Neva, should Kinsel be concerned about his future with the VA?
2: Well, I think uh, I think we'll know very very soon. I mean, this emergency meeting that's been called uh, uh, specifically to talk about the job performance of uh, Kinsel as the agency's director. Um, and it, it is interesting that as these things have began to begun to unfold, that we're seeing a lot of conversation, uh, and you can kind of see where the focus and the direction seems to be moving, and that is less, uh, uh, more specifically about uh, these increased costs at the Veterans Center uh, at uh, uh, Salisaw, the long-term, long-term care facility there, the increased expenses, I mean, the huge jump, I think 13 million uh, additional that was needed according to uh, Kenzel in a, a board meeting back in the early fall. Now that number, according to, I think the uh, secretary uh, cabinet secretary is something like uh they're thinking in the twenty million plus range. Mm-hmm. So, um, his performance, um, it's a it is I think uh, one of the commissioners uh made the statement that all of this kind of swirling around what's going on at that particular uh, veterans center uh, necessitates a review of Kinsel's leadership. So we know all the politics and all of the things that went on. Uh, including uh, including Joel Kensel running uh, in the Republican primary against uh, Governor uh, Kevin Stitt. I mean, that was really uh, he had a contrast. He had a different point of view on a number of things. Many of many of those uh, uh, things that he discussed were veterans related uh, issues that he was very passionate on. So uh, we'll now see what happens. I think it's interesting that in in the course of all of this conversation, we're now hearing uh, the cabinet secretary say that the idea of privatizing uh, veteran centers is not on the table and hasn't been part of the discussion. So perhaps uh, perhaps that's been a either a change in view or maybe that was always the view and it was just uh, blurred by other conversations uh, that had taken place and and some suggestion to the contrary. So it's going to be fascinating, as I've said before on the program, Uh, this when you start talking about veterans and you start Mm -hmm. talking about these issues uh, this is something that kind of goes beyond the inside baseball capital crowd of you know discussion and gets to be something that does permeate out statewide among veterans organizations and folks that uh, care about these issues and veterans themselves
0: right you
1: know i've i've known joe Kensel for a very long time uh and i think that he is one of the Uh, hardest working, most ethical uh, public servants and attorneys in the state of Oklahoma. And and, and in fact, for uh, the Tulsa World story that reported on this, they they couldn't get a comment from him because he's currently on uh, Air National Guard service. Um, I mean, he's continuing to serve his country, both uh, in his capacity as uh, Secretary of Veterans Affairs, but also uh, in the Air National Guard. So, I mean, he's he is a public servant through and through. And I think that when he decided to run against the governor, I'm sure that that was not an easy decision for him. Uh, he had to know. He was an incredibly smart guy. He had to know that you know, if, if he did this and he didn't win, uh, that there, his his employment uh, and his ability to continue to serve in his current position was probably going to come uh, under scrutiny. Uh, and he would potentially be removed from that position one way or another uh, by Governor Stitt if he was reelected, which, of course, in November he was. Um but there, if there was a win for uh, for Kinsell, I think that it's that um, you know he really did he really was concerned about this uh, movement that he uh, uh, reports of uh, privatizing these veteran centers and what that would do to uh, the veterans in Oklahoma and their families that depend on these centers across the state. Um, he was deeply concerned about that. And so, you know, now the governor's office is saying that was never on the table, whether it was or was it. If it was on the table, I think that whatever happens to Joe Kinsel here, he can he can go off knowing that he changed that. Uh, I think that his running for governor and creating this issue probably uh, you know, led to a change. If there was a change in the governor's office, uh, moving away from that, privatizing the veteran centers. Uh, and so that's I think that that's a win for him. The writing seems to be on the wall. Uh, of course, they're going to talk about increased cost because. You're not going to walk into the meeting and say, well, uh, we're going to have a performance review because you ran against your boss and you lost. Uh, and, and we need to, we need to have a conversation about that. Um, they're going to of course, focus on these increased costs. And, you know, in the event that uh, Joe Kinsler is removed from that position, you know, whatever the reason, uh, I think that we, we can all know that it's uh, that, that's just, you know, pretext, you know, that the real, that the real reason here was uh, this is a, a political grudge. And uh, he was on the opposite side of it and he lost and, that's the way it shakes out i um you know i the independence of the of the board uh of the commission um is is really uh i think lost at this point um and that seems to be uh to me uh, a real loss for, for all oklahomans because an independent commission that can provide frank honest advice to the governor uh on how to make decisions is incredibly important and you know if we had that commission which we had until the governor recently removed uh, appointee, uh, other appointees, and, and, and is trying to install his own appointees and then created a uh, de facto majority right now of Stead appointees. Uh, until that time, you had a commission that was able to insulate the political considerations from Joe Kinzel's actual performance. Uh, and I just don't think that that's the case right now. What, whatever happens is going to be a political consideration. Um, and you can see that uh, the doubling down on that by bringing in, you know, John O'Connor, the, the former attorney general, uh, who was Governor Stitt's appointee to serve as attorney general, and then was recently defeated by Gettner Drummond. And I think, you know, maybe uh, Joe Kinsel can, maybe he can think that if uh, former attorney general John O'Connor moves as slow on on this as he did with everything else while he was attorney general, he might be secretary of v- veterans affairs for a couple of more years. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that that plays out.
2: You know, it's interesting too. Uh, we're talking about an incredible amount of institutional knowledge within this uh, within the the veterans. Affairs Department that has been lost. I mean, taking out the action that may or may not may or may not take place on Joel Kinsel. You had the Deputy Director Sarah Lake, and you had the General Counsel Kim Heaton, both you know with with um, um, reasonably long tenure there, uh, working in in this in this agency, and um, you know with them with them uh, quitting prior to the meeting um, and with the action of hiring uh, John O'Connor as this outside legal counsel now for the for the governing board. I mean, you have the potential for a, a, a real disruption here because of your senior administration at an agency, basically with the potential if they're all gone and you're starting from scratch, you've got a brand new board um, you know, again, the institutional knowledge of the board having been disrupted. We talked about the fact that uh, in in previous shows that you had at least one board member that had served under four governors, board members, you know, different uh, governors. So a long tenure on the on the commission. So all of that institutional knowledge from a board perspective and from an agency um, employee perspective. Uh, will vastly uh, be diminished, and it'll be interesting to see what the real agenda is. And for Secretary Nash, it will be interesting to see what he, uh, what his um, uh, either vision is or marching orders from the governor in terms of how they are going to uh, deal with veterans issues uh, in the future now that uh, they've seen this much change take place at the Veterans Commission.
0: Orion and Eva's comments do not necessarily reflect the views of KOSU, its staff, or management. Programs like this are made possible through support from KOSU members who are listeners like you. Consider a gift to KOSU in support of This Week in Oklahoma Politics at donate.kosu.org.